0: The President of Memorial University of Newfoundland's Indigenous claims are questioned. Scholars have called for an end to hosting conferences in Canada because of visa delays and refusals. You have the right to give someone the finger, says a Quebec judge, and medical tourism is back up to pre-pandemic levels in Mexico. Good morning. It's Thursday, March 9th. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. This morning, we start with an investigation by Ariana Kelland and Katie Breen for CBC News. It's questioning the identity claims that have been made by Vianne Timmins, president of the Memorial University of Newfoundland. Timmins has walked a line between saying that she has Mi'kmaq heritage, but that she is not Indigenous. However, she's won an award that is only for Indigenous people, and in her CV and biographies, she's aligned herself with the Brador Mi'kmaq First Nation. They are not a recognized band. Timmins told CBC News last week that, quote, Indigenous identity is challenging, right? It's a very complex process, and I've always been very, very careful about saying that I am of Indigenous heritage and being really, really clear on that. Her claim comes from her father, who said that he had hidden his Mi'kmaq identity. She said that the ancestor went back to five generations from her. That ancestor, named Marie Benoit, is not listed in any census document that CBC found as Mi'kmaq. She's listed as French in the 1871 census. Other ancestors who Timmins claims were also indigenous, one seven and one nine generations back, were also not able to be confirmed as Mi'kmaq. Over the years, Timmins has gone back and forth on whether or not she has said that she has this connection with the Mi'kmaq community, which doesn't seem to exist. In 2018, the University of Regina, where she was president, removed the reference in her bio to her membership in the Broad Or group. But in December 2019, she mentioned Marie Benoit's Mi'kmaq heritage in relation to her being proud of her heritage. Timmons playing fast and loose with the facts about her identity is related to the fact that she knows that she can get more political capital from being vague and using innuendo than being straight up honest all the time. While it's clear she should just say she's a white woman, she's falling into the same tropes that many other white women have done to claim a small, vague relationship to indigeneity Use it in some ways for her benefit. And then, of course, you know, be very honest and say, well, but I'm not actually Indigenous. It's just the heritage that I have, even though CBC couldn't find a direct linkage to an Indigenous person in her background. Timmons oversaw a massive tuition fee increase when she was the president of the University of Regina. And in the past month, MUN faculty went on strike where, of course, she's president. They were fighting for improved job security for temporary staff, post-retirement benefits and defining collegial governance in the collective agreement. They had to go on strike for that as Timmons was steering the university's ship To national news now, though staying within the university world, six dozen scholars have called for an end to international conferences in Canada until the federal government can fix visa issues that regularly stop international academics from coming to Canada for these events. For example... One group, IEEE, had a conference called the International Symposium on High-Performance Computer Architecture, and it, quote-unquote, turned out to be an embarrassment, reports Nicholas Kung for the Toronto Star. 20 of the 80 presenters couldn't get a visa. Most couldn't get an answer for their visa problems either. Some were denied because Canada, quote, didn't believe that they would leave Canada afterwards reminding us that white supremacy and racism is absolutely woven into the core of these programs. The issue also is plaguing the International Studies Association and did plague the World AIDS Conference in Montreal. Kung reports that 2.9 million applications are in the system currently. Processing times for people from the so-called Global South are the worst. 66 days for Iran, 70 days for India, 130 days for Turkey, 183 days for Pakistan. And it isn't as if it's just processing. People have to sometimes submit biometric information, they have to pay money, they have to go through very difficult processes, things that academics really do not have time for. And here, I'll end with just a small story. My partner, who's an academic, a professor, he hired two students the same day. One student was from Italy and one student was from Pakistan, and they were hired to do the same thing. By the time the Italian student, who was already approved and settled in my partner's lab, the student from Pakistan had still not even heard back from Canada about his visa. Now to Montreal, where Neil Epstein, a 45-year-old teacher, was in a war with his neighbor Michael Nakache, who lived on the same street as him, swore at Epstein and held a power tool towards him. Epstein responded by giving Nakache two middle fingers and kept walking. After this incident, Epstein was charged with criminal harassment and uttering threats. Nakache had accused Epstein of making a neck-cutting motion and filming his family to threaten them. Nacache was actually found to be the one filming his neighbor's. He caught his father, Frank, and his mother, Martin, driving recklessly down the street. He also managed to film the fact that Frank had threatened to intentionally hit the children on the street with his car. When Epstein confronted the elder Nakaches about this, another son, Ali, pushed him. Video filmed by the Nakaches showed that Epstein just walked away after being pushed. Why am I telling you all of this? Well, somehow Montreal police agreed with Nikachi's view of the story and charged Epstein when he came home from a walk. But just last week, Judge Dennis Galeatzis acquitted Epstein, arguing that he has the right to give the Nekachis the finger. And judging by their behavior, it sounds like all the neighbors should just put up lawn signs of the middle finger for the Nikachi family. Galeatzis wrote, quote, to be abundantly clear, it is not a crime to give someone the finger. Flipping the proverbial bird is a God-given, charter-and-shine right that belongs to every red-blooded Canadian. It may not be civil, it may not be polite, it may not be gentlemanly, nevertheless, it does not trigger criminal liability. He wrote that Martin and Frank should be lucky that they were never charged with reckless driving and that Ali and Michael were lucky they haven't been charged with assault or uttering threats. So there you have it. Give someone the finger today in honor of this judge's decision. It is your God-given right, after all. And if you live in Quebec, above or below terrible neighbors, and I mention Quebec only because we have an abundance of low-rises that puts people into very close quarters with others that they hate, give them three fingers why not? And finally, some international news this morning. Four Americans were shot and abducted in Mexico last week. Two of them died. They were in the country for medical care. They were medical tourists and their deaths are shining light on medical tourism among Americans going to Mexico for health care. One of the Americans was getting a tummy tuck procedure done. The rest seemed to be traveling with this person for support. They were all from South Carolina. They were in the state of Tanamolipas, a location that the U.S. State Department warns that people should not travel to because of drug cartel violence. Before the pandemic, NPR reports that almost 1.2 American citizens went to Mexico for elective medical treatment in 2019 for dental work, cosmetic treatments or to get medicines at cheaper prices than in the United States. Orthopedic surgeries, like knee and hip surgeries, can also be there done for less than half the cost than in the United States. Most of the travel is because procedures are 50 to 70% cheaper. Of course, medical tourism has its dangers, like not being able to see a doctor post-op, or the dangers of traveling in a pressurized cabin in a plane right after. While hospital rooms in Mexico conform by and large to the exact same standards of sanitization and safety as American hospitals, there are risks in traveling to another country to get procedures. We don't hear much about medical tourism in Canada, whether Americans are coming here for private health procedures or if Canadians are going somewhere else. Considering the discussion around privatized health care... I wonder why that is. Why are we not hearing this? Why are journalists not investigating how prevalent medical tourism is in Canada? Though, as I read this story of Americans going to Mexico, I thought of a story that I read in 2022 of Jasmine Saint Ange. She traveled to Tunisia with the help of a medical tourism company called Medcare Vacances, which is based in Laval, Quebec. At 27, Saint Ange had lost 80 pounds. She wanted to remove excess skin from her abdomen. That was a result of her weight loss. She also wanted to get butt injections. She paid $9,000 with the help of a loan that she accepted to pay off over five years. And she chose Tunisia. It's two times cheaper than Quebec. She received a bit of post-op care there for a week thanks to a nurse in a hotel room. But then she flew home. On the flight, she said that she thought she was going to die. Something went terribly wrong with the procedure, and she was hospitalized for two weeks when she came back. Saint-Ange told the Journal de Montréal that she just wanted to feel beautiful. The travel company said it was the first time ever anything like that had happened, and really, it was the first time I had ever read anything like that happening, so I don't know. I don't know anything about this world. Something for sure that we should keep our eyes on, I think. Those are your stories for Thursday, March 9th. I'm Nora. If you're thinking, hey, Nora sounds a little bit different, that's right. I'm on the road. I hope you have a great Thursday and I'll talk to you tomorrow.